What's up, everyone? We're back with another episode of the Today in Town Packers podcast. This week, I'm joined by my co-host, Griff. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Happy to be back with you. Uh, it's Packers are off to a phenomenal start to the 2020 season, and I'm happy to be back on the show. Bron, how are you? Yeah, Griff, I'm doing great. You know, it's great to have you back, and, and it was great to have this bye week to kind of decompress from a fan standpoint um, and, and just enjoy some stress-free football Absolutely. Uh, over the course of this last week. Yeah, and I mean... I, I was just happy to to have that, and, and just now we're back on the grind, though. Uh, we've got this exciting game coming up with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into their place, and, and we're going to get into all that. We're going to talk about where we stand after this bye week, and uh, Griff, I'm excited to be talking to you. Yeah, absolutely. I love watching football that doesn't have the chance to ruin my weekend. Yeah, for sure. And I'm really excited for this week's game. You know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've been looking forward to this game since the schedule came out. I'm sure a lot of other Packer fans too. Very highly touted. Uh, this matchup between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, only a third of their career. Very exciting, and it should be a good one. Yeah, this is one that everybody kind of circled um, right when you see that schedule, and uh, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be in that in that Fox slot with with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and Aaron Andrews on the commentary team, and and this is one, you know, it's America's Game of the Week, and, and it's one that we all are excited to see, especially when you have these two legends going at it, uh, you know, against each other's defenses, and I'm excited for this matchup for sure. We're going to get into all that. Uh, first, Griff, I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, before we talk about the game, where where we stand as a team uh, amongst the rest of the league, the rest of the NFC, you know, a little bit of a playoff discussion, you know, just some injuries updates, things like that. Um, so right. just tell me where you think, tell me how you think we stand amongst some of the rest of these teams in the NFC. Well, after Seattle's Sunday night game with the Vikings and myself, I was rooting for the Vikings. So that game, <laughs> that game was a mess. I hate the Vikings. I really, really hate the Vikings. But coming out of that game, you cannot really be too high on the Seahawks. I mean, this is a team that the Packers beat to death. We put 43 on them in the the Seahawks scored zero first half points. They barely, they were an inch away from losing that game. They, it took a fourth and goal situation with 15 seconds on the clock to beat the Vikings. Uh, I don't know how you can come out of that game being as high on the Seahawks as you were before the game, but uh, for the Packers, I think that makes them the far and away best team in the NFC because the only knock you can have on the Packers who have been flawless on offense and pretty okay on defense uh, the only knock you can have on them is that they've had an easy schedule, but you can make the same knock, knock on the Seahawks, who are 5-0 and and have barely beaten teams like the Dolphins and the Vikings and the Patriots, who may be a little bit better than uh, any team the Packers have faced. But I think just watching the games, I've watched a lot of the Seahawks games this year. I think the Packers are definitely, definitely the stronger team and have the more complete offense on the ground through the air, doesn't matter. And I think they have the better defense as well. I agree with you there in the sense that that, that Seattle game and the last few Seattle games for me have, have kind of put us in a spot where we look like the better team in a big way. I think their pass defense is one of the league's worst for sure. And um, that's something that the Packers have a strength at. Uh, our pass rush is better. So, I mean, that I, I think we're the better team, and I, I think we have the better quarterback, and, and our offense in general is, is doing a lot better than theirs um, in a lot of different categories statistically. And we're, and, uh, we're putting more points on the board as well. Uh, we're playing teams that we should beat, and but really I'm not sure there isn't a team that we should beat in this league. So, uh, I mean, yeah, in terms of the rest of the NFC, looking at contenders, it's Green Bay. Seattle's in there. And then, really, there's a drop-off. So, yeah, I think the Packers stand at the top in the NFC. Uh, and tell me where you think they stand in terms of the rest of the NFL because there's there's a lot of good teams in the AFC as well. Yeah, well, I think that AFC's class far and away before Sunday was considered the Kansas City Chiefs, but we just saw them, for most of the game, get worked by uh, Las Vegas, almost at Oakland. We the, the Raiders hung 40 on them, beat them 40-32, to 32, that last touchdown. Uh was scored late in the game by the Chiefs, didn't really matter ultimately, and the Chiefs just could not do a lot on offense. The Raiders were playing really strong defense, really looking good against the Chiefs' defense, and so I think that makes a lot of people apprehensive when considering the Chiefs the far and away best team in the league. You know, they had won 13 in a row. I can't blame people for thinking that, but uh, they the Chiefs have not been as dominant this year, 
And if you look at teams who have been dominant, it's the Seahawks and the Packers, and the Packers have been much more dominant than the Seahawks. Well, yeah, that's that's part of it. I mean, the dominance aspect of a team when you're trying to talk about where they stand among the league's best, you look at the team that's dominating their opponents regardless of you know who they're playing, and and you go, that's a team that can go and, and win playoff games and, and score with the rest of the the rest of the league. Um, so yeah, I mean that that group in the AFC with the Chiefs, the Ravens, teams like Pittsburgh, the Patriots, the Bills, the Titans, those that's the class of the AFC right there. And and I can't say that I am scared of any of those teams. Um, so yeah, I would like to think that the Packers can stand up against any of those teams. And the, the thing people are saying about the Packers is that they haven't played anyone. Their combined opponent record, I'm sure, is not very strong. But the at the end of the year, when you're looking at who the best teams are in the NFL, the best teams always beat the crap out of the, the bad teams. You know, they win close versus the good teams they play, but they beat the crap out of the bad teams they play. And the Packers were not doing that last year. We were playing, re- we were playing down to our opponent a lot. But this year, we've had four three easy games you could say the saints were probably our toughest game and uh we've beaten all of them the saints we played closest but the other three teams we've blown them all out on offense the fewest points we've scored this year was 30 against the falcons and that's with a fourth and fourth and goal turnover on downs at the one inch line so uh i think the pack and we were without our best weapon without too. our best weapon without and, Lazard, and our number really, two yeah. guy too yeah yeah we were playing with darius shepherd and malik taylor and robert tanyan was our number one <laughs> receiving threat so i think going going forward knowing we have Devonte adams we've only had Devonte adams in one full game this year against the lions he was very limited we've only seen him shine and we've only seen him play, I mean, in one game this year, and that was against the Vikings when he put up, what, 146, two touchdowns, seven receptions, something like that. It was insane. So if we can see more of that down the stretch, the the offense is showing they don't really need him. They don't really need him to beat up on these bad defenses. But having him, it just really makes you hopeful. It gives us that that guy that teams need to control, need to try to stop, and it just puts us in a in an even better position having a guy like Aaron Rodgers, having a running game with Aaron Jones uh, that just, you know, there's so many guys that they have to, t- uh, that teams have to try to commit to. And it's just not possible with all the weapons that we do have. Um, right. Plus, you throw in the fact that we've got one of the league's best O-lines, if not the best O-line. Mm-hmm. It just puts teams in such a terrible position trying to go and, and prepare for an offense like the Packers uh, because we're just so dangerous everywhere you look. You're right, and we we may not have the best superstars in the league. By that I mean uh, skill players. We don't have the best receiving core, to say the least. We we really struggle with our receiving cores, but it doesn't really matter when we have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon, who's gotten like five carries this year, but it seems like he's popped five on all those carries. Uh, it doesn't really matter, especially when we have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, who is on a revenge tour tearing up every single game he plays Matt LaFleur who's proving to be one of the best head coaches in the league who's designing guys open doesn't matter how talented they are he's designing them open and uh like I said Devontae Adams coming back is going to help a lot I'm glad you mentioned coach LaFleur because I just think he's been fantastic uh he's the coach of the year in my opinion so far uh just the way that we've been able to put up points on offense you know that's his side of the ball uh and we are just beating everybody so it's just his leadership is phenomenal. He, he communicates with the players. His relationship with the players is, is excellent. He listens to the players. His connection to the GM, we know about that. I mean, those guys, you know, they, com- they communicate uh, weekly to try to improve the roster as best as they can. The whole leadership of the, of the Green Bay Packers is, is in great shape uh, with this guy at the helm. And it's the reason that we're 4-0, and, and he's a large part of that. And it sucks that he hasn't gotten the the attention in the coach of the year discussion or even like who are the best coaches in the league. He never, his name is never mentioned in those. And it sucks. It's because he has Aaron Rodgers. And it's the same people who have been saying for two years now, Aaron Rodgers is washed. Aaron Rodgers needs fixing. Well, guess what? Aaron is an MVP again, or at least in the discussion, playing like an MVP. And now Aaron gets all the credit. I, I agree. Aaron is playing phenomenally, but let's not act like, any bum coach could have brought him here. The offense, the offensive play design 
is phenomenal. And Aaron Rodgers' play is at a large part to thank for that. So I think Matt LaFleur is highly underrated. Not to mention underrated, but like he he really is. There's nobody in terms of the Packers' success that gets more cre- that gets less credit than they should uh, than Matt Lafleur. I think he deserves a lot of the credit and isn't getting much of it. Uh, a lot of it's going to Aaron Rodgers, rightfully so. Uh, but the credit can be shared around a little bit. Obviously, Rodgers deserves you know all the credit in the world. I mean, he is just he is what we are as a team, and he always will be as long as he plays here. Uh, but Matt LaFleur can, you know, he needs to get recognition as well. Not that Rodgers needs to get any less, but Matt LaFleur needs to get more. And, and so does the offensive line that hasn't been getting talked about much. And the defense's ability to just, you know, play within the game and, and, and help us win the game. I mean, it's not like they're a detriment to us. They're, they're staying within themselves and, and helping us, you know, win the game at the end of the day. Uh, so everybody deserves some credit. Uh, and I'm sure we got even better over this bye week after doing some self-scouting and things like that. Uh, so, you know, I'm excited to see what we do and, and how we can improve, even though we're 14 or excuse me, even though we're four and zero. to think about last year when we went 13 and three, meanwhile, the, the 2018 team went six, nine and one, then Matt LaFleur comes in, replaces Mike McCarthy and we go 13 and three. And Matt LaFleur was not even in the coaching coach of the year discussion. That is incredible. The, the amount of disrespect towards Matt LaFleur, it's beyond me. It has to be because of Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, I'm a Rodgers fan. I love Aaron Rodgers. I like that he's getting the recognition. But come on, Matt LaFleur, he's up there with the Shanahans. He's up there with the not – I wouldn't say he's in the Belichick class, but in terms of this year, he's up there. He's been phenomenal. It's time for people to start recognizing him. Not only that, but, you know, his main source of – media recognition was throughout the offseason his his relationship or, or what it would become with Aaron Rodgers that was talked about more than any kind of praise for his coaching ability or anything along those lines and that's insulting to a guy that is doing so well and in, in just his second year and had an excellent first year as a head coach uh, so obviously as Packer fans we kind of take that uh, as an insult uh but we, like Aaron Rodgers always says, we have no problem flying under the radar. And uh, at 4-0, and playing the way we're playing, it's kind of tough to do that. But you know, I'm still excited about where we're headed. And, and I think this team can really do some great things. I don't know about you, Griff, but I'm just really excited for what we could do uh, going down the line here as the season progresses. Yeah, and it's going to – the only thing that will change the, the national media's uh, perception of Battle Floor is a championship, really. I mean, how many games can we win? Guy's only lost four games in his entire career. It's going to take a Super Bowl for people to say, hey, this guy's one of the best coaches in the NFL. I mean, all the, the film bros on Twitter have been all for last year and this year. I've been showing clips of his play design and everything. And still, there's been no change. It's all been Roger's attention, which I'm for. I like it. I like to see it. But uh, it does make you a little... A little envious of like Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan who get nothing but praise from the media. With that, Griff, I kind of want to transition into this game that we've got coming up and we're going to talk about all different matchups and things like that. Uh, But there's some injuries we do want to discuss. After this bye week, we had a chance to recover with a lot of guys getting hurt. Uh, we were missing guys in that last game before uh, before the bye, and, and we lost some guys in that game too, but we've also got guys coming back. Uh, so the two guys that practiced uh, for the first time since being on IR uh, were EQ and Kamal Martin, and, and those guys were expected to be contributors early on for the team. And uh, to have those guys back, hopefully this week, but it, you know we'll have to see if they get activated to the main roster, but uh, those guys uh, could help us, especially Kamal, who uh, he was in line to possibly be that guy next to Christian Kirksey uh, ahead of the start of the season. And now Christian Kirksey's on IR, so we need him more now than ever. So Yeah, Kamal Martin was kind of the training camp darling of this year's training camp. Uh, everyone was hyping him up, all the Packers beat writers, and now he was hyped up to be the guy next to Christian Kirksey. Well, we don't have Christian Kirksey anymore, so... It kind of helps. We kind of need him to be the Christian Kirksey because Ty Summers is playing that role right now. We're getting a little bit of Chris Barnes next to Ty Summers. Uh, Chris Barnes, who's been very excellent this season, 
But Kamal Martin, if he can come in and contribute right away, that would be huge. Yeah, Barnes, you talked about real quick. I just want to touch on how he's played. He's been very serviceable, and, and he's been a contributor. Uh, he hasn't played too many snaps, about 35% of the defensive snaps, something along those lines. Uh, but he's had an impact, and he's one of the defense's short tacklers. Um, and that's something we've been missing at times uh, over the course of this season, that's short tackling. Uh, but he provides that, and, and he also provides a spark uh, in the middle of the field for us uh, you know, against the run, even in the passing game as well. Uh, so he's had an impact, and, and we're going to look for him to, to be that guy that can contribute for us at a consistent level on a consistent basis. Absolutely, and he's been very – he's been arguably our most sure tackler. Tackling has not been a bright spot on this Packers defense, and he's been great in coverage too. Not great, but he's been good. He's been better than Blake Martinez, I'd say. He's a good athlete, and if we can get Kamal Martin to come in and at least play at his level – then that'd be pretty cool to have two rookies come in and contribute uh, and be uh, meaningful defensive pieces to this defense. You're right about that. And and something I also want to talk about on the injury front is uh, the fact that we're going to likely, almost certainly, uh, see two of the biggest contributors on, on both sides of the ball uh, in Devontae Adams and Kenny Clark be back for this Week 6 game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, and we can't we can't overstate how huge that is for this team to have those guys back. Kenny obviously just getting paid this off season, and and Devontae being our far and away highest contributor uh, in the passing game. To have those guys back puts our offense at a whole new level against a team that has a great defense coming up here, uh, and that's going to be our biggest challenge defensively yet. Uh, so that's going to be interesting, and, and to have Kenny help us in the run game and the pass rush to take some of the pressure off Z and, and Preston, uh, I really think that's going to help our football team, and I think we're going to see that against this Buccaneers team on Sunday. Right, and uh, I think Kenny contributes more to the pass rush. It's because the pass rush has been, it's been good. It's been about you know league average, but it has been great like it was last year. The Smith Bros are not off to the start uh, that they were last year last season so Kenny Clark coming back I think should help the pass rush but the run blocking I, I don't know about the run defense our run defense looked like they're picking up just where they left off last year in San Francisco in the NFC championship game so Kenny Clark being there it's like they they can double team Kenny Clark and so that means uh one-on-ones for the rest of the defense one-on-one blocks but we, we don't have anyone who can win these one-on-ones. So they're double-teaming. Right now, they're double-teaming Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster and one-on-oneing everyone else. And it doesn't really matter. Or they have a free blocker. And it hasn't really mattered because we don't really have anyone who can win these one-on-ones, these one-on-one blocks. So hopefully Kamal Martin coming in, maybe he will be more of a factor in the run defense. Or maybe uh, Chris Burns can improve in the run game. Or Ty Summers can step up. But uh, Kenny Clark, I think he'll be a much bigger factor in the run game than, uh, or I mean, excuse me, the pass rush than the than the run defense. I think um, with Z playing a lot of that rover position where he was really playing, you know, in the face of the center uh, a lot of the times, and and he they kind of give him the option to go, you know, roam wherever he'd like to play, or you know, he can rush the quarterback, or he can even drop back if he needs, uh, depending on what he sees. He he gets a lot of freedom in that role. Um, and I think that's also been a problem because he's not getting that effective pass rush from the middle. A lot of times, even though he's getting the ability to see what he wants to do and and then kind of run with it, uh, he's just better off the edge. And we know that, uh, he can play inside. He can play in that, you know, that defensive end role, uh, that three technique, and we've seen him do it, but, uh, he's obviously better rushing the quarterback from the outside. Uh, so I think having Kenny back gives him the chance to do that. And it's going to help Preston, too, who has not been fantastic like he was last year. Uh, I think it's going to help Preston. I think it's going to help Zadarius. And it's, I think it's going to overall overhaul our pass rush uh, to the point where it could become a strength like it was last season. Right. And the thing is, right now without Kenny, the edge rusher is coming off the edge. All the quarterback has to do is step up, really, right? He can just step up and have a clean pocket. But with Kenny there, he can't step up anymore. He has to step to the left or to the right. And so I think that definitely helps the pass rush. And I think that'll help Preston. I think Preston thrived off of these, uh, you know, kind of, I don't want to say cheap. I want to say 
assisted sacks. You know, Kenny Clark assisted a lot of sacks last season. The Packers defense in general had a lot of sacks last season, and Kenny Clark was to thank for a lot of those. So him coming back, I think, will definitely, against a quarterback like Tom Brady, who stays in the pocket, cannot escape at all, I think that's definitely going to help. You're right about that for sure. I mean, having a guy that um, that can take away some of those double teams that Z has been seeing, um, it's going to give everybody a chance to have more success uh, just in the pass rush in general. You know, and let's and let's kind of talk about the way that these guys are going to have a shot to get to Tom Brady. We'll get right into this game here. Um, the matchup is with that O line, and the O line is a bit banged up. But the problem with them, if you were watching the game last week uh, against the Chicago Bears on Thursday night, uh, they were committing so many penalties, whether it was holdings, false starts, uh, and Tom Brady got to the point where he was furious with the group, um, screaming at them on the sidelines. He was just slamming helmets down, throwing things around. I mean, so, you know, they're not playing at the level that he expects them to play at. And the Packers have a chance to come in and and rush the passer against a a non-mobile quarterback with an O-line that is suspect at best right now. And it gives the Packers a chance to have a defining moment in this game to give them a chance to win it. Yeah, you're right. And to think about last year, uh, the pass rush was so, so strong with Kenny Clark, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith. So last year, we were, coming into this game, we would have been talking about, oh, the Packers' pass rush is going to feast. It's going to feast on this O-line. We No one's really talking about that right now because the Packers' pass rush has not been as strong. But with Kenny Clark in the middle there, I think it does have an opportunity to really show out and get a lot of sacks this game on Tom Brady, who is not mobile. If we can keep him in the pocket, cover his short routes, uh, you know, not let anything get open too quickly. Uh, I think, yeah, Preston Smith, maybe he'll come on in this game. Kenny Clark, maybe he gets a couple sacks. And uh, Z, we, we we know how big of a factor Z is. So I think it, the Packers pass rush should really have a, a good game against this not great offensive line. It's important that they do. I mean, that's a that's a huge factor in what we we need to get done in order to win the game. Uh, when you're facing a guy like Tom Brady who, you know, runs an offense that bases itself on short, uh, quick stuff that moves the ball, moves the chains, uh, and then something to get them in the end zone. Uh, but they have weapons. This is something new for Tom Brady. They have a lot of down-the-field weapons. So uh, he struggled at times because he's not the best downfield thrower in the world. Uh, these older quarterbacks like him and Breeze have struggled with that later in their careers, unlike Aaron Rodgers. but. Uh, you know, they've got Mike Evans, they've got Chris Godwin returning from injury. They've got Scotty Miller, a guy that's that they've that they've liked, uh, undrafted guy. Uh, they've got Gronkowski, who hasn't looked great, but he's seeing a lot of targets. And they've got Cameron Braid as well. Uh, O.J. Howard uh, suffered an injury. He's out for the year, and he was another guy that they had. So they've got guys to throw to, and Brady has... Uh, he's He hasn't had the time, but he hasn't needed the time really necessarily from that O-line. So it's going to be important for the Packers to kind of somehow find a way to uh, impact the quarterback and impact the offense against an offense that moves the ball very quickly and gets the ball out of his hands quickly. Right, and having Jair Alexander, so the Bucks are going to get Chris Godwin back, presumably. So having Jair Alexander is huge there because Godwin is kind of their underneath option. Brady, his entire career has thrived on these uh, underneath routes, checkdowns, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. So if we have Jair, who is as good as anyone in the entire league, breaking on these quick slants, quick outs, quick ins, he's as good as anyone there. So if we can get him to cover up Brady's first read and force him to look somewhere else, I think the pass rush can get there in time to uh, force him to make his decision a little quicker than he has to. For sure. That secondary is going to be important against guys like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh I'm not sure if we've got a guy that can really stop Mike Evans. I mean, he's a downfield threat, uh, and he's a lot taller than any of the guys we have at cornerback. Kevin King is probably the best bet against him because he's not a speed guy, but he he is a a huge athlete, uh, 50-50 ball type of guy. And he's had success in the red zone as well, so we're going to need to figure out how to stop him uh, because that's going to be what they're going to try to do in the red zone, and, and he'll be their main target just like he has been all season. For sure. And Mike Benton, Mike Penn kind of – he doesn't – I wish he would at times, but he doesn't 
force Jair Alexander to shadow the team's number one receiver. He always leaves it up to both of them, and it's usually off of who's the who's got the better matchup. And uh, he usually he usually makes Kevin King cover the bigger threats because Kevin King's size is uh, pretty unique in the way that he can cover these bigger receivers. So we're probably going to be seeing a lot of Kevin King on Mike Evans and a lot of Jair on Chris Godwin. So it's going to be up to it's going to be up to King. He's going to be huge in this game. I think he's going to be a deciding factor in the in the Packers defense on how how well the Bucks offense does and how well he does against Mike Evans. Yeah, that's a great point the way you talked about Kevin King there. He's he's kind of been known to be that inconsistent guy uh that either shows up or just he doesn't. And this is a week where we're going to need him to show up and play some of his best football. Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, another thing I'd like to kind of point out is is Raven Green is a guy that I like to see see the field um, more than he has in recent weeks. I think he played great last week in limited snaps. Uh, and we've talked about Will Redmond, uh, how you know we just don't think he is the guy to be putting out there, uh, especially next to the to the inside guy trying to be that nickel linebacker type. Uh, that DB type next to the middle guy. Um, so I just, I think he, he fits the defense in a great way. Um, his ability to stop the run. He's got a, he's a short tackler. Another thing that, you know, we haven't, we just haven't taken advantage of him from him. Uh, we need to play him more. We need to give him more snaps and he makes a big difference on the defensive side of the ball. And I'd like to see him come out and, and play a, a good amount of snaps uh, this Sunday. I like to think we've been easing Raven green back into the defense coming off of injury. I like to think he hasn't been playing as many snaps because we're easing him back in because Will Redman, I I don't know how anyone can think Will Redman is a better option than Raven Green. So I th- I I like to think we'll we'll get more of Raven Green as the season goes on. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, it's hard to envision you know any football intellectual, any coach looking at the play <laughs> of those two guys. <laughs> Not to be harsh, but I mean, looking at the play of those two guys on film and going, yeah, we're going to go with the guy. We're going to go with that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's hard to, it's hard to see that. So I, I just definitely think, I, I mean, I hope that's the case. Otherwise we might have an issue in the coaching staff. That's all I, have to say. <laughs> I think we do a uh, hot take there, but anyways, uh, Tom Brady. Yeah. My, oh, we don't want to get into that one again. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady, 43 years old, a little, a little not as good as he once was not up there with the best in the league but he can still he can still sling it we saw it we've seen it in a couple games this year he's he's had a three a few really good throws and he can still throw it deep and so I think the thing I think the thing that may kill the Packers defense is maybe biting on these underneath routes where he he's going to hit him over top I think I think he he might hit a couple long balls in this one maybe to Evans against Kevin King who's known to get beat uh in a game like this against a a good receiver like this I think that might happen that's yeah it's not something you can take uh take for granted the idea that our defense might really prepare for some of the stuff that Brady likes to do uh which is that check down stuff and then you know Tom Brady is obviously an, an intelligent quarterback and one of the one of the smartest out there so you look at maybe just the way guys are lined up pre snap uh for him uh, and he might notice that maybe Kevin King is is looking to bite on something short, just the way, you know, whatever he's seeing and then maybe whatever the play call is. And that's where guys like Tom Brady t- could take advantage and, and hit some deep stuff. Uh, the weapons he has has allowed him to kind of raise the, his level of play a little bit. He's still throwing interceptions more than more than in recent years, and he's still not that quarterback that uh, was playing at a really, really high level uh, anymore. He's just not that guy anymore. But he's still got that intellectual, just that he's a lead in that way uh, that allows him to play as long as he has and keeps him afloat, regardless of how his physical traits uh, have regressed over the course of these last few years. True. And the thing that's been exciting, (laughs) this is my predisposed bias coming out here, but the thing that's been exciting as rooting against Tom Brady my entire life is that in Tampa Bay, he's got Ronald Jones right now, well, Without Leonard Fournette, he's got Ronald Jones as his number one running back who cannot catch a checkdown pass very well. He drops a lot of passes, and that's been funny to watch him watch him throw to the running back like he does a lot. 
and watching Ronald Jones watching Ronald Jones drop those passes. Yeah, they actually they're they're near the top of the NFL in drops. Yeah. Now that you mention it, so yeah, it's it has a lot to do with uh, they are rolling out a lot of younger guys that, uh, including those running backs that aren't catching the ball the way that he would like. Um, so, and, and it has a lot to do with that, but, uh, that they do have, you know, with, with Leonard Fournette there, he has at times looked pretty good. Uh, and I know he missed the last game, but, uh, he might be able to play this week after they had that extended, uh, that extended rest with that last Thursday night game. Uh, so it's possible we see him back and, and they've got Ronald Jones as well, who is a good runner at times. So, um, that's something we have to stop as well. That running game. Um, and, and those guys catching the ball out of the backfield is another thing that we have to stop. Yeah. And all year I've been saying, if, if I'm an opposing offensive coordinator or offensive mind going against Mike Patton, I would commit to the ground game like the San Francisco 49ers did in the NFC championship game, because we cannot stop the run. We cannot stop it. I don't get why teams just don't run it down our throat more often. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. We haven't been tested like that since that, since that NFC championship game. Nobody's tried to run it as, as much. The Vikings did week one, they ran it down our throat for a drive. Then we got the difference. Yeah. The difference in that game was the fact that we were outscoring them and they had no choice, but to start trying to throw it because running the ball takes time off the clock. Mm -hmm. And that's how we beat a team like the 49ers, you know, even when we face them later in the year. Uh, which is a game that's going to be exciting, but that's how we uh, we avoid those those teams that want to run the ball on us is is when we score the ball to a point where they've got to start throwing and time's going to run out. Right. Um. So that that's what we have to do. And it comes down to Mike Penn's defensive philosophy, right? He said this. He has literally said this. He does not. He does not care about the run defense. He does not care. He and it shows. It shows. It shows that Mike Penn does not care about run defense. He does not even try to stop it. Because what did he say a couple years ago? Uh, you can fly to Miami. It's easier to fly to Miami than it is to run to Miami or whatever that is. Uh, obviously, yeah, it's e- easier to get yards through the pass game than the run game. But, I, oh, God, our run defense is so bad. And our defensive coordinator just does not try to stop it at all. And it's worked through four games. You know, you can't really blame him. But it's like we're going to run into a team like the 49ers who are just going to run it down our throat. That's where my frustrations come with Mike Penn. Well, as of now, it just hasn't been a problem, like we said, and I think that's going to mask some of that, the idea that we're scoring so much that teams just have to throw it, and that's the problem. Uh, When teams are forced to throw the ball, uh, we obviously don't see that weakness of the run defense, Uh, and that's kind of, that tables any discussion of a change in philosophy um, for Mike Pettin, and not to bash Mike Pettin, but I I mean, I, I still think he a lot of the things that he's done for this defense have been successful. Um, but there, there could be some kind of uh, emphasis on the running game at, at times, especially against teams that want to do it against us with good running backs um, like the 49ers, like the Vikings who have Dalvin cook. Um, it's, I mean, it's something we need to look at. It's something we need to account for. Um, but for now we just haven't had to, but we, Hopefully we don't see a scenario where we do and we're not prepared for it. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know about Mike Patton, man. I just don't know about him. The the thing, the his thing, like the thing he's good at, has always been his blitzes. Like he's good with the blitzes. He throws a, and the personnel. Yeah, and yeah, the personnel yeah. that he he's ability his ability to throw out guys that are and mismatch them, use them like chess pieces. That's his thing. And it worked. It worked last year, and and it's still effective this year. It's been accounted for more by other other teams' offenses, but it's still something that he has success with, and he had success with. Yeah, but we we've been without Kenny Clark. Preston Smith has been a non-factor in every game we've played this year, and we're among the league's lowest in blitz rates. I don't get it. I don't get why we're not blitzing more often. Maybe we don't. Blake Martinez was a good blitzer. Now that we don't have him, we don't have any good uh, non-front four blitzers. I don't know what it is. But why are we not blitzing as much? That has to do with our pressure rates being down. That has to do with our sack rates being down. 
And that has to do with the quarterback having a clean pocket on most of the snaps. Yeah, that's part of it for sure. Uh, in our last game, Raven Green, to tie everything we said together, basically, uh, Raven Green, a guy we just talked about, had a blitz uh, by, called by Mike Pettin that ended up in, in a successful situation where he ended up getting the sack uh, on one of the rare blitz calls that we had. That's been down from the past year. Uh, so we saw success there with the guy that we're rooting for to get more playing time in a, in a scenario where we wanted to blitz more. And, you know, there's an example of that, but yet we just don't do any of these things on a consistent level. Um, hopefully that changes. Maybe who knows, we could see some kind of self scout that has shown that we need to, especially with Kenny coming back, try to blitz more, um, put these guys in positions to get to the quarterback better than we have this year. Um, including Preston. I mean, yeah, you talked about he's been a non-factor, and it's true. Um, he just he just hasn't been that guy that we saw last year that had 13 sacks. Um, and I'd like to see that, but you know, as of right now, he's just not getting those pressures. Uh, he is dropping into coverage a tad bit more than he did last year, but it's it's nothing significant to the point where it really is impacting his his rushing. Uh, so, you you know, hopefully we tie something together in that aspect and, and kind of get all these guys going. The thing with, I've been thinking about a lot about this, like why is Preston so bad this year? And the thing, I wish I had data on this, but last year it seemed like every, I don't know if you remember this, but every game we played, it felt like their, one of their starting tackles was out. Do you remember that? Like the chiefs had a starting tackle out. Uh, the giants had no one on the O line, the game we played. It, it, every week they had an, a banged up o-line and i feel like we really took advantage of that on the front four and maybe mike Penton was blitzing more often because of that but it, it really was like ev- i wish i had data on this but every week they had major injuries on the offensive line all of our opponents now it felt like that yeah no i i definitely agree with you there i because you're thinking back like I feel like every week on the podcast, we would talk about, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, I feel like we would go, oh, well, with this guy out, you know, our pass rush has a chance to have a really good game. It it felt like that. Yeah. Every week, I feel like, especially later towards the season. uh, Yeah, no, you're right about that. And maybe that has something to do with his success. But, you know, I still think he's a good player. He's a good pass rusher. We paid him a lot of money, so he better be, um, you know, or, you know, with, He's he could be short lived in Green Bay if he's not. Yeah, um, luckily so, you know, luckily we have an out on his contract this year, and Russ Ball is a genius for that. When we signed these contracts to both of the Smiths, we were like, "Wow, okay, we got obvious outs on after year two. That's smart." And uh, Preston Smith, I don't know, I, I I he just not has not been good this year. It's as simple as that. You can blame it on the dropping and the coverage, which I don't think has been as often as a lot of fans think it is. Uh, I just don't think he's been good and against one-on-ones and against offensive tackles. Yeah. Well, like we said, hopefully he can turn it around and we need him to do so. And uh, I, I do think that he is important to our success and I'd like to see him step up his level of play. And just like the rest of the defense, everybody on that defensive side of the ball needs to step it up in order to get back to where we were last year, uh, which wasn't perfect by any means, but we do need to be that same unit that created turnovers and that, you know, stopped teams when we needed them. Yeah. The turnovers and, is and another thing that just have yeah, not been there like they were last it's year. It's lower. Yeah. It's a lot lower than it was last year. We were getting them at perfect times and this year it's been lower. I mean, we've only got, we've got zero turnovers on offense, but we've only created, I think three on defense yeah. and that's a problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had, we led the league in turnover differential last year and, and we're not even leading the league in that now, and we haven't turned the ball over on offense. <laughs> yeah. So if that doesn't tell you anything, but uh, but I do want to kind of move on to this offensive side of the ball. We kind of talked about the defense for a long time, rightfully so. Uh, but there is a lot to talk about, especially with Aaron Rodgers getting his number one guy back and Devontae Adams. And, and they're going against a tough defense, maybe their toughest challenge yet Absolutely. Uh, with that Tampa Bay pass rush. They've got a good pass rush, a secondary that has improved. Uh, and they've got some good middle linebackers as well. And uh, it's going to be such a good matchup. I can't get over how exciting this game is going to be. Um, and it starts with this Packers offense versus the Bucks defense matchup. What would you rather, just from a fan perspective, would you rather we blow them out or would you rather a really close game where we win in their final two minutes? 
Um, I've been going back and forth I, on this. I, well, okay. I mean, obviously you'd like to see us shut down Tom Brady and just give us a huge win that really just stamps our name on, on the conversation uh, as the, as the best team in the NFL. Uh, but I mean, from like an out, like if I wasn't a Packers fan watching the game, I'd say, yeah, let me watch this, this heavyweight matchup between these two teams go down to the wire, maybe in a Rogers trying to get a two minute Brady trying to get a two minute score. That'd be exciting, obviously. But as a Packers fan, you want to see your team win by a ton of points. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we're going to score a lot of points here. I, I think we're going to continue the trend. <laughs> Yeah. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, like there this is a good defense, but that doesn't mean I don't think we're going to have as much success as we usually do. I think we might score even more than we did against the Falcons. Yeah. You know, I that might that's a possibility for sure. I feel like that's a probability 30. That's kind of that's kind of low for this year's Packers offense. <laughs> <laughs> if having Devontae Adams back is such a big deal. I mean, uh, I don't know about that. Last year we went 4-0 no, without Devontae Adams. That's still crazy. And there's a chance that we regress on offense like we did last year once we got Devontae back last year against the Chargers where we had our, a, a huge dud in uh, L.A. That could happen. There's a chance of that happening. But on paper, it's like, wow, we, we get Devontae back when we're scoring 37 and 30 without him? That's insane. Yeah, I mean, we did a, we've done a great job. And it goes back to Matt LaFleur's success and it goes back to him scheming guys open regardless of their level of play or, or their ability. Um, and, and Rogers obviously playing out of his mind, uh, regardless of who he's throwing to and all that. Um, but it does, you know, Adams, like I said, he gives the defense somebody to have to worry about. Um, and just him on the field as even, you know, if he didn't catch a pass against the Buccaneers, right. He'd still be impacting our team in the, in the biggest way because he just draws double teams and right. opens up the field for Rodgers to throw to other guys at worst. Uh, and even when he gets double teamed, Rodgers still gets him the ball and, and they still have success. So it's, I mean, he is just such an important part of this defense, excuse me, this offense. Um, and, and, you know, obviously the narrative we went, we've gone six and zero without him or whatever the case is. I, it might've been, it might be seven and zero now, but I I definitely think he he obviously makes our offense better, and I think we need him, and I think we're going to take advantage of having him back. Right, and you got to trust Matt Lafleur to figure out ways to get him open, even when he is getting double teamed, because that always happens. Matt Lafleur is a great offensive coach, as I've said. Now, do you think there's an argument to be made that when Devontae is on the field, Aaron may get eyes for him, may stop trusting the scheme, may start trusting Devontae instead? trying to get him the ball rather than play within the offense. I think there is a that's a great made there. No, that's a great question and last year that was an even better question. But I I think I've understood what goes on now in Aaron Rodgers' mind. <laughs> <laughs> but now we've seen the success that the offense can really have with whoever's out there, especially this year where we're blowing teams out regardless of whether Devontae's on the field or not. Yes, Aaron is going to throw Devante the ball and he's going to be the number one option on almost, you know, I would say at least 75% of, of design passing plays, but Rogers has seen the success that the offense has without Devante. So what I anticipate is him being more willing to throw to other guys. Now that he's seen them catch the ball and have success, especially a guy like Robert Tanyan in the middle of the field, open things up completely uh, I just think it's going to give Rodgers just, I, I feel like he's going to begin to trust throwing to whoever's open. Um, and, and the way Matt LaFleur is scheming guys open, he's starting to really buy in, I think. Right. And all that, all that for me, uh, gives me the sense that it's not going to be Rodgers trying to force feed it to Adams. It's going to be Rodgers just playing within the offense. Right. And you hope that's the case because when, when he plays within the offense, Devontae is not going to be open on every play, but when he is open, which is a lot of the time, Devontae's going to get get a lot of balls regardless. He's going to get a lot of balls even when Aaron is spreading it out, you know, because Devontae's open constantly. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, it's tough to key in a guy, key in on a guy like Devontae when defenses are really keying in on him. Uh, so it's hard to have success continuously 
um, if if Rodgers is going to plan on just giving Devontae the ball over and over again when defense start preparing so hard to stop that connection. Uh, so I definitely think that is a, a big thing that is going to have an impact on, on what we do on offense. Uh, but one thing I did want to ask you about is whether you think we should emphasize the running game or the passing game more against this Tampa Bay defense that really has good players on, on both aspects of that secondary and in the defensive front. I think we're going to roll with it. I think it's going to be more of what we've already seen this season, uh, which is more so of the time throwing it, but heavy play action. Play action, you know, it doesn't matter how how many times you run it in a game. Play action is still just as effective. And we have been much better, much better on play action this year than we were last year. And I think a big a big factor in this game is going to be MVS. MVS tweeted after the Saints game about how, how tough the 1-7 one, the coverage is to play against because he's getting the double teams. He's the number one receiver right now. He's getting everyone's attention because he's the deep threat. He's the only one a defense has to worry about. So if we have Devontae in the game who's going to get all of the defensive attention because he has to or otherwise he's going to be open on every play, uh, MVS, I think, is going to be open on a lot of those play-action shots. He has the speed. Can he catch them? <laughs> you never know with that guy. But uh, I think I think that's going to be a huge, huge factor in this game, the play-action game. Yeah, his inconsistency. I mean, we have to see him catch the ball, obviously. Uh, and for the most part, he has done that. But at the same time, he's dropped balls that have been clear touchdowns. And he's kind of disappeared in games where we need him without Lazard and Devante these last couple of weeks. So yeah, I mean, he is, he has been, uh, he's not a guy that you can rely on per se, right. but he, I, we do need him, especially now without Lazard. So I think we need him to step up. I think MVS has shown who he is over the past couple of weeks, which is he's, he's never, never going to be that number one option. I, maybe it's too early to say in year three, but I don't think he's ever going to be that number one option. He, I think he can be, at his peak, a consistent number two who can get open at a consistent rate and be open on those deep plays. He's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, you know. But uh, I don't. I this has been the perfect opportunity these past two weeks for him to really show who he is, and he's been locked down. He's been locked down by opposing defenses. So I think at his peak, he's going to be that that deep shot guy who's going to be open because he's fast enough on these play action deep shots. I always uh, compare him to Kevin King uh, just because of how he can be at times. He can look like one of the one of the top playmakers in the NFL uh, just because of how how his speed impacts the game and, and what his speed can do to opposing defenses. Um, and, but, and then on the other side, Kevin King, how inconsistent he can be and how he looks like at times one of the league's best corners shutting down whoever is in his face. And then other games, he's getting beat, flat-footed, the whole thing. Uh, I, I compare those guys in the same way because they're both so con- inconsistent but have shown at times that they can be uh, elite players at their position. Uh, so that's what I always think about. And uh, we need to see both of those guys step up in this game especially. Absolutely. And I think I think MBS will have a better go at it than Kevin King, just to pick one. I think MBS will have a big game this week with Devontae on the opposite side. I, like I said, I think he's going to be open on a, a couple plays where he's just wide open in the middle of the field on a play-action shot. He's a guy that doesn't need, need a ton of catches. Right. He just needs he just needs a couple splash plays to have an impact on the game. Most of his, most of his success comes from deep passing, uh, huge plays. He'll have three catches for... 90 yards and and two touchdowns and and it's a fantastic game his his stuff comes in bunches and that's something that's good for a guy that's inconsistent right he only needs one or two moments of success to to have a huge impact on the game and that's something that keeps him around because he he even though he's inconsistent he doesn't have to consistently beat guys uh, you know running routes or whatever the case is he just needs to come out and do it once or twice, give Rodgers a chance to hit him, and you know that's where his impact on the game really lies. Right. He he's a great chess piece for Matt Lafleur to use. Yeah, and I just want to know, like, you know, if if you have anything else to kind of talk about on the offensive side of the ball, 
obviously I think Aaron Jones is going to have a, a big game too. We need everybody to have, have a nice game in, in order to, to win. We need to have all of our offense clicking uh, to beat a defense that is one of the league's best. Right. And Aaron Jones, like you said, he could have a big game. Our offensive line, our run blocking especially, has been outstanding, picking up where they left off last year. And uh, going against the defense who just lost Vitavea, uh, they could have an, another good game between the tackles. And, uh, you know, you run with the ball, you, you mix it. It could be a 50-50 game, 50, 50% run, 50% pass. And when we got the two Aarons, who are both phenomenal, it could be a big game for the offense. And I think it's going to be more of the same, really. Yeah, uh, it starts with, really for me, always, it starts with the offensive line. If they can protect Aaron Rodgers, especially against this pass rush that has some of the best, uh, some of the best guys doing it uh, at this level, then you're set. I mean, Rodgers, all he needs is two and a half seconds. Let him play within the offense. Let him hit his guy. That's all we need. Aaron Jones will be able to play off that, you know, with the play action passing. It's all going to work out. I just think that we are in a good spot here, uh, especially against a team that's good. It's a good chance for us to come out and, and show what we've got, experiment with our ability, just to see how good we are, really. Uh, and I, I think this is a great opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Did you see uh, Jason Pierre-Paul's quote today about David Bakhtiari? I read – no, I, I did see something that he said. <laughs> he said – He said uh, – someone asked him about what it's like going against, against one of the best tackles in the league, and he was like, oh, is this guy one of the best in the league? I don't know. I don't really know about who I'm facing. I just kind of go out there and play. So he basically admitted he doesn't watch film on his opponent. So good for him, man. <laughs> good for him. I think I, I expect David Bakhtiari to shut him out in response. This is the same guy, by the way, that got his hand <laughs> blew up in fireworks, just to let everybody know. Um, just I'm just to put it out that just to put that out there, but uh yeah, no, I'm not concerned with uh with what he has to say. Yeah, and then Shaq Barrett going on the opposite side against Billy Turner, though. That may be a problem. That could be a problem. That could be yep. a major problem. We don't know. But he has played well. He has played He's well. played better. He has played well. He was a little rusty. You got to give him credit. A little rusty against the Saints, but but what's what do you expect from Billy Turner, who hadn't played, a, who hadn't uh, played a, played a game yet at that point? Yeah, Bill Turner. Uh, well, it's nice. To, it's a nice problem to have that I'm going to discuss right here. But Rick Wagner played great, and he has played great. But Bill Turner has also come in and played great. So the Packers have depth at tackle that we didn't expect. Um, you know, one could argue if Lucas Patrick should be in the lineup, maybe Bill Turner should be at right guard and we kick right uh, Rick Wagner to right tackle again. But, I mean, we're playing well. There's no need to disrupt anything. We've got Patrick in there. He's playing at a fine level. Um, so, you know, things are go things are good. And if we do stumble upon an injury, I think we're in a good spot with a guy that has a ton of experience in the league. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with our O-line even again, I'm excited to see what they do against this defense. Um, right. And I expect a big performance and how fast Rogers has been getting the ball out of his hands, the pass rush, the O-line has played great in pass protection, but it hasn't really, even if they weren't playing great, it wouldn't be that much of an issue because Aaron's getting the ball out of his hands in 2.5 seconds, 2.6 seconds. I don't know what it is, but it's, uh, and the highest, highest, the quickest rate of his career, he's getting the ball out of his hands. Yeah, for sure, and that all goes back to what Matt Lafleur is right. doing, scheming guys open. Right. We're finally everything's tying together. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we've been I we've been saying since mid 2018. 2018 was such a weird year because you open the season with Aaron injuring his knee, and he comes out in the second half against the Bears, just getting the ball out of his hands because he cannot take a hit. He's playing on one leg, and we. We tore the Bears apart that second half. We scored 27 straight in the second half, right? So all year we were like, okay, Aaron, just play like that. Just play like that again. Stop looking for the deep ball. And for two years, 28, the rest of 2018 and the rest of 2019, he was trying to act like he's 29, trying to make the big play, turning down the check down, looking for the big play. And it's so frustrating. But this year, he's finally, he's finally playing in rhythm, playing in the Matt LaFleur offense, getting the ball out of his hands. And I'm hoping we see more of that, even with Devontae Adams. That's a fantastic correlation that you just made between uh, something I really have never thought about. The idea that, you know, with that injury that he got, 
in that game against the Bears where then he came back and made that was the best comeback of his career, maybe the best comeback in NFL history by a single <laughs> player. Uh, I mean, the idea that he couldn't get hurt, he could not take another hit uh, because of that knee, that he literally broke his leg and that he wasn't able to take a hit and he had to get the ball out quick. And then we had a ton of success. I never even thought about that. Uh, and that's, a, that's again, more evidence of the way Rogers playing now is a guy. He's always been that guy, right? Uh, but he's just he's he's found what needs to happen schematically and and from a you know obviously he's the greatest thrower of the football in the world of all time, but you know there's more things to that than that to having success on offense and this is part of it and so far he's had that uh, getting the ball out quickly and just finding his guys and if they're open throw it and if they're not open throw it and he still completes it. He's just playing at a high level, and it's all it's helping him play better to be in rhythm and everything like that. Um, he's having a gr- so yeah. He's having a great year in the way that he's taking all the easy stuff. He's playing more like Tom Brady this year. He's everything that's open. He's throwing it, but he's also making a ton of ridiculous throws down the field. The throw to Alan Lazard against the Saints. The throw to MVS against the Vikings. He's fitting it in. T- in he's fitting it into tight windows, twenty plus yards down the field. Because he's Aaron Rodgers, he's he's always been able to do that. And so when you mix it together, you get this this flawless Aaron Rodgers who has 13 touchdowns, no interceptions, a bunch of yards, 70 percent completion rate. This is the quarterback he's supposed to be above 35 years old. This is the quarterback we've always wanted him to be. Whereas in past it was he was not taking easy stuff, only looking for the for the deep ball. And so that resulted in a ton of throwaways, a low completion percentage, not a ton of touchdowns. And now we're fi- he's pl- finally playing within the within the offense. Whether that have to be because he's got a chip on his shoulder, or he understands the offense at, at a better extent than he did last year, I don't know what it is, and I don't care because he's he's playing like an MVP. And this is the quarterback I've wanted to see for two years now, and I'm so happy, so happy he's playing like it now. All right, Griff, let's let's get down to our predictions here for this game. Give me. Give me an X Factor player. Uh, give me an X Factor player on both sides of the ball, and then just tell me what you think the score is going to be. All right. So on defense, I think it's going to come down to Kevin King. I think if he can, if he can, if he plays like you said, he's a very, very inconsistent player. And if he has a good game, a good Kevin King game against Mike Evans, then I think the defense can play play well as a whole because I trust Jair Alexander going up against Chris Godwin, and I don't have a ton of faith in old washed up Rob Gronkowski so I think it's going to come down to Kevin King on the defensive side of the ball and then on offense like I said I think it's going to be MVS I think if MVS can take advantage of these single coverage looks that he hasn't been getting a ton of in the past two weeks with Devontae Adams eating up the double coverage on the other other side then I think MVS can get a couple deep balls in there a couple play action deep shots maybe a couple touchdowns in there too uh, if he can get a couple of those, then I think we're going to be rolling on offense. What about you? Oh, and prediction? Sorry, prediction. I think the Packers win. I don't know about a score. Uh, I think it's going to be more of the same on offense. I think it's going to be 35-plus points. And I think we're going to tamper down the the Bucks offense. What about you, Bron? Yeah, for me, I, I would have to go X-Factor. Uh, I, I would have to say Robert Tanyan. I think after the game he had against the Falcons – I think he's got to come out and do that again. I, I think he has to build on that performance and give Rodgers that weapon in the middle of the field. Um, even with Devontae Adams back, I'd like to see him have guys that he can throw to all over the field. And Robert Tanyan had an excellent game against the Falcons, and I'm looking for him to do that um, against uh, the Buccaneers. And on the defensive side of the ball, I am going to go with Kenny Clark. I I love I, I just I would love to see his impact on this game and how much he changes our defense. That's what I'm interested to see. What how, how much better will we perform with him on the field? It's going to say a lot about him as a player and it's going to say a lot about our defense. Um so I think that's going to be interesting to see. And for I'm I'm going to go with a score of I'm going to say 38 to 29. I I'm going to go with that and I think the Packers are going to win. Uh, but it's going to be a high-scoring game, and, and we're going to have to score with Tom Brady. Um, it's going to be a classic Rodgers-Brady showdown where we're scoring and they're scoring, and it's going to come down to a couple plays that change the game for Green Bay. 
uh, and that put us in the best spot to win. Agreed. I agree with Robert Tanyan. He may, he's our he's showing to be our number one tight end threat for the first three weeks of the season. We didn't really have one, and then week four he scores three touchdowns. So hopefully there's more to come for Tanya. And that's going to do it for the Today in Titletown Packers podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, should be a really good game this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And go Packers.